Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. We're going to recap the Michigan football team's 51-7 to victory over Colorado State. And Steve and I were talking over the weekend, and, and we kind of came to the conclusion that if you really wanted to parse through everything, it's all there. But really, there's two main discussion points. So we're actually going to, rather than bounce around and only give a couple minutes on each thing, we're actually going to dig a little bit more into these two main takeaways we have. One regards the defensive line. We'll discuss that first. And then the second half of the episode, we will discuss the quarterback situation and how how Saturday plays into it. But Steve, we can jump right in of line you know we had kind of teased and, and when I say line in this case I'm also referring to the edge defenders you know we had teased in our preview podcast that that there was actually a good amount of depth and then I think I used the term they're a good get off the bus group in terms of like they they pass the eye test in terms of size in terms of like your know, wingspan physicality um, you know it looked like a group that had a really high ceiling really high athleticism but I think you and I were had to be at least a a little surprised by you know Colorado or by how Michigan fed on Colorado State and even people who who predicted it for Week One. I mean, they they did not predict thirty two quarterback pressures. They did not predict you know seven sacks, uh, twelve tackles for loss too. You know, I think I, I think I saw that they had uh, Colorado State nineteen of their carries. I didn't see. I calculated this. Nineteen of their carries uh, went for uh, two or fewer yards. Anyway, so it was a very impressive performance across the board for the defensive line. Steve, what what stood out to you the most about their performance on Saturday? Uh, I mean, eat kind of an eat like low hanging fruit, I suppose. But uh, you know, we wondered if some, maybe there'd be a guy who would step up, sort of as like, man, Jalen Harrell looked like a different player on Saturday. And again, opponent taken into context. Like, I'm not going to say that like I did for the like last year. I feel like I said that hundred times each episode when we're talking about the game. Uh, but Jalen Harrell just looked like more, looked like a more explosive player uh, coming around. I mean, that was my first thought. I mean, I think he was probably the most effective guy on the edge. Other thing, two things, two other things though. One, there were more guys who were a, a higher number of players effective off the edge. than I think we thought there would be, you know, I think Brain McGregor had a really good game. Derek Moore is going to be a, a stud. Uh, sooner rather than later. That was another big takeaway. But then the other thing, like just across the board up front, they they just like it, they annihilated them. I mean, it was I mean it it was like it was less. It was it was more than them just getting good push up front. I mean, they were just they maul they were mauling the Colorado State offensive line and just and just teeing off on the quarterback um, pretty much all game. You know, Michigan not going to be tested the next two weeks. Um, you know, I don't know if Maryland's got a good offensive line or not, but uh, I'm assuming it'll be better than the first three opponents they play. But either way, I mean, you know, I think I think one of our takeaways for the D-line heading into, you know, like in the preview episode and stuff was like, man, the future is really bright for this group, but you can't help but be very very encouraged by what you saw from both the vets and the young players uh, that we had kind of discussed 
heading into the season. Uh, Mason Graham looks like he belongs already. Uh, Rayshon Benny had some really good, showed some really good promise, had some really good snaps. Uh, they just, they just looked uh, dominant, you know, and that was, but across the board, it wasn't one guy taking over the game or even two. It was just like, how many plays were there where it was like, it felt like there was like six guys in the backfield. I mean, it was just uh, really impressive. And, and yeah, like I said, future is super, super bright uh, for that group across the board. Yeah. I think the depth is, is something that really stood out to me because I think we assumed, I mean, I assumed Jalen Harrell based on his snap count last season. I don't think I assumed that he would get eight quarterback pressures, which is double what he had all of last season. Uh, and, and, you know, I think I kind of had assumed Mike Morris would like that play where he was chasing down the running back in the backfield. I mean, that's, that's what he has been touted as is kind of a, a Chris Wormley type of player who, who is really big and isn't going to get beat up front, but also will chase down the skill players uh, if he has, if he has the right angle. So, you know, not, not stunned by them, but I think it's the, it's the, uh, maybe younger isn't the right word, but it's the, it's the high talent, unproven sector of the edge room that, that really stood out to me. You, know, you mentioned Braden McGregor, four quarterback pressures on nine pass rushing snaps. I mean, I believe one of them led to that interception. I mean, he really looked like a sophomore Aiden Hutchinson. We didn't really get to see a ton of Aiden Hutchinson as a junior, but, but you know, those were two years where he was getting a lot of pressure. They weren't necessarily sacks. So I'm, gonna, I'm curious to see how he continues to develop on that front because I, you know, everyone knows the talent is there. Everyone that follows recruiting, I should say, knows the talent is there. He's, he's big, he's long, he's multi-sport athletic, you know, quick, but not necessarily at the sacrifice of strength. And then Derek Moore, as you mentioned, the more, the more you see him, the more it's the more he kind of looks like a Rashawn Gary type in terms of how he's built and how he plays, which Michigan wouldn't mind that at all, especially if he's, already making this much of an impact as a freshman. Then Yabi Anoma didn't play a ton. Overall, it's clear his, his snap count is, is going to start on the lower end of the edge rushers, but it gets a sack right away. Literally his first snap at Michigan, first FBS snap since 2018. It's a sack. So, you know, his abilities there and, 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 you know, you could kind of see in warmups too. This is clearly someone who, who's ceiling, it's not changed a ton you know, from when he was a top five recruit. I don't think he's going to be a top five NFL draft pick, but I think, you know, some, sometimes players are just busts and it turns out, oh, you know, they weren't actually that good. This is not that, you know, this was, we, we've talked about his journey through college so far. It has nothing to do with him stinking at football. So you're very intrigued by those three, because I think, I think the guys at the top, you know, Mike Morris, Taylor Upshaw, Jalen Harrell, I think, I think there's a lot of excitement about them, but I, I think if you're trying to find out who the next star, especially in pass rushing, it's probably one of McGregor, Moore, or Anoma, just because they have that bend. They have that quickness off the line. They have that athleticism. And so for them, I mean, it's going to create an interesting dynamic because if they're, if they're producing in their limited snaps, you know, at some point you do have to start rotating them in more and more because they're getting sacks. You know, they're getting quarterback pressures. They're, they're getting to the ball. The other thing that really stood out to me was just how many of those pressures or, or you know, times where they put Colorado State under duress, it was 
four or five guys. And that speaks to the dominance or the annihilation that you spoke about. It wasn't like one guy beat one offensive tackle and, and got to the quarterback. It was like five guys. And then suddenly the quarterback's scrambling out and Mike Sainer still's right there or RJ Moten's right there. Michael Barrett's right there. And so, you know, it's a couple stats here with that last season. This was not a strength. I mean, you know, pass rushing was a strength because of Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo, but they had 25 sacks. The rest of the team had nine yet on Saturday, Michigan had seven sacks from guys not named Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo. And last year they had 12 different players record at least half a sack. They had nine players do so on Saturday. So to me, that speaks, I mean, granted they were able to empty the bench a lot sooner. I don't think Colorado state is going to be this win that Michigan's really hanging its hat on later on in the season. But I do think that there is something to be said when you have that kind of depth, you know, that, that can be a real asset, especially on the defensive line where we're, you know, you are rotating in guys, guys are getting beat up and, and getting exhausted. And then they can quickly go to the sidelines. They can rotate somebody else in came away pretty impressed with how quickly Michigan was able to rotate and seamlessly Michigan was able to rotate guys. I mean, sometimes you see, you know, the occasional player sprinting off to the sideline, you know, trying to beat the, beat the ball being snapped just to avoid a penalty. Saw a couple times where that happened on, on Saturday, but, but not nearly as much as you would expect for how deep they were for, you know, what kind of rotation level they were having. So Steve, if you could pinpoint one player on, on, I'll give you the whole defensive front if you want, but you kind of mentioned Harrell, but one other player caused you to raise your eyebrows a little bit. You know, the, the, every single player we've listed is someone that we have mentioned could be good, but is there any that, that really stood out to you as like, Hey, this guy come Michigan versus Iowa this guy's going to be a problem and maybe even, even pushing or shaking up that starting lineup a little bit. I think it's gotta be a Noma, right? And just the way, you know, you just say it can, it can take one play for you to see what a guy is capable of. And uh, what listed at two forty four, straight bull rush, right into the back, right into the quarterback's lap. Uh, Dominant, a dominant play, probably maybe the, maybe the most, dominant individual effort on an upfront on one play during the game. I mean, maybe it was definitely one of the more most impressive plays of the game. So I think it's kind of got to be him. I still think I still feel similar, similarly about Derek Moore though. Uh, I just think, I, I think it'd be one of those two guys, you know, uh, you know, I was just, I was just counted 16 DL and edge played on Saturday. And, uh, I believe it was nine of them played nine or more snaps. Uh, so, in and a lot of those, like Anoma being one of the guys that played nine snaps, I mean, that wasn't really, I mean, yes, Michigan was in control throughout, but like it wasn't like garbage time either. I mean, they were heavily, they were throwing in rotations pretty consistently. So, uh, but, but as far as the question goes, I got to go with Yabi Anoma or, or uh, Derek Moore. Yeah, I think, I think those are probably the obvious two and, and, I just discussed McGregor. So, uh, you know, if th- those are probably the three where you're thinking that's, that's where the wheels start turning. Like, uh, maybe they could push for a starting job. I think all three have to be better against the run. You know, that's, that's probably the key. Although actually, if you look at Michigan's schedule, 
you know, now that they don't have Wisconsin, now that a couple, I mean, you know, Penn State's very pass heavy. You know, Maryland, extremely pass heavy. You know, a lot of these teams on their schedule are, aren't going to be dominant run games. I mean, you could argue Illinois is one of the, the better rushing attacks Michigan will face this season. Ohio State, obviously, they can, they can run the ball, but they're, they're, they're pass-oriented. You, know, you can kind of run down the list. You know, Michigan State will be an interesting one, but based on, on paper, I think they line up to be a little bit more pass-oriented this season. So maybe you do experiment with you know, having your pass rushers get on the field, and maybe these, these next three games – you let them kind of learn their lessons in, in stopping the run. You know, I think about McGregor, for example. He, he got beat on a couple run plays on Saturday, but maybe this is an opportunity where you kind of let your, let your pass rushing specialists get comfortable because they did that last season with this, uh, with this guy named David Ajabo, and I think it, I think it turned out pretty well. I mean, you know, he, he, even, even in the Orange Bowl, they weren't necessarily putting him in on obvious rushing downs, but, but in terms of... Hey, let, if he's going to go get the quarterback, don't let him still learning as, as a run defender stop you. So, so curious about that. You know, inside, I thought inside, you know, we, we've talked about it for months, thought there'd be more pressure from the guys on the inside this season than, than previously. I, I felt like they lived up to the task. You know, Chris Jenkins, three quarterback pressures. Uh, Mozzie Smith had two. I, I agree with you on Rayshon Benny. Felt like he... He was getting off his blocks a little bit better than, than maybe last season. You know, thought Mason Graham was someone who acquitted himself well. That's any additional thoughts on the on the defensive interior? I know we spent a lot of time talking about the edge, but but did you see what you wanted to see from the guys on the inside? I think so, right? I mean, I, I think we talked about we. I think the bigger question was the was was on the edge as far as like um, who and how many. I think the interior, I think we saw a lot of what we were maybe anticipating. You know, I think Chris Jenkins had a great game. Uh, Mozzie Smith, sack. Mason Graham, like I said earlier, looked like he, he looks like he belongs. Uh, really liked Rayshon Benny, too, you know, and I think his snap count will will go up as the season continues. You know, I think that's one where almost uh, – I wouldn't quite compare Graham Benny to – McNamara McCarthy because both of those both Graham and Benny will play uh you know rotation a little bit different but but I think it's an ongoing sort of battle as far as you know who might be the guy to maybe get a a few more snaps than the other guy which you know these are the type of competitions that when you're talking about top 150 type recruits uh this is what you want if you're Michigan and so you know I thought I think that's my big takeaway is I'm not uh, surprised with the production there again, maybe, maybe just a little, as far as like, just like I said, just the, just the sheer dominance that they seem to display, uh, I think was, was probably a little bit of an eye opener, but nothing, not as surprising as what looked like a very effective performance from, from the edge guys. Yeah. Inside. I think it was a little bit more of confirmation, right? Like seeing, how quickly Chris Jenkins and Mozzie Smith were off the line, seeing you know the the growth of Rayshon Benny, seeing what we saw from Mason Graham in the spring game applied to an actual game in the fall. There was nothing I came away like stunned of, but I was like, yep, they they had they have the physical tools to be really Im- impressive this season. 
and so far, so good. By the way, the snap counts for those guys on the inside. Mozzie Smith was number one at 31 snaps. Chris Jenkins had 22. Rayshon Benny was third with 19. Mason Graham had 15. And then the other guy with double digits was George Brooks with 12. So uh, and he's someone that they came in. I, I still think there's room before he gets to maybe his ceiling or, or his potential. But but another guy who can who can add maybe a little bit of versatility to that line where when they need someone a little quicker, someone you know, maybe with more bend, you know, he can be one of those guys. So, yeah, I came away pretty impressed to me. That, again, that was my main column point, talking point after the game was you know, a lot of questions before the season about the defensive line. We had some, but ultimately this is a, this is a group that has, that knows how to be successful. You know, their coach, their defensive line coach has been extremely successful. Their head coach and all the other coaches who have been around Michigan for a while, you know, there is a blueprint. David Ajabo was at that game, right? Aiden Hutchinson, I'm sure he's been to practices. I'm sure everyone remembers how, what those two did to produce. I mean, every year Michigan has had a dominant defensive line and they were every year or two, some of them leave and go on to become, you know, NFL starters. And everyone's like, Oh, what's going to happen now? But you can look at the lineage. I mean, this is, this is a, a room that has a blueprint that has, you know, the schemes locked down. They, they know how to train defensive linemen, you know, in the strength and conditioning room, talking about all the, the people who make the, the athletics freak list. So this is uh, probably the wrong group to, to doubt, right? Or, or to wrong group to assume that it's going to be a rebuilding year. So interesting to see. Again, probably matters a little bit more in October if they're looking like this than September. But, but that, was, that was one area of, of Michigan's game that was a pretty big takeaway to me. All right, on the other side of this break, we're going to switch over to the quarterback room and how Saturday's, not just the game, but maybe a couple comments after the game changed or tweaked or verified the narrative going on around Michigan's quarterback room. You're listening to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, and we're back. Thanks for waiting. So, yeah, this was game one of two for Michigan's split quarterback, split starting quarterback system. And... You know it didn't go well for Caden McNamara because all of the discussion after the game was about how J.J. McCarthy looked better than him. I don't know if that's accurate or not. I mean, it looked accurate from the eyes, but in terms of he was facing Colorado State three hours into the game, 90 degrees. It was already a blowout. You could tell by the Rams' body language on the sidelines. like they, 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 They were ready to go home, and I can't blame them because of the score. So, you know, you can take a little bit of it with a grain of salt, but it was not a good game for Cade. Nine of 18 passing, 136 yards and a touchdown. It's it's almost worse than that because 61 of those yards, nearly half of them came on one play where Roman Wilson basically did all the work and his blockers did all the work. So you can, you can sit there and say, 
Michigan won by a ton. It doesn't really matter how the quarterback looked. That's that seemed to be Jim Harbaugh's stance uh, after after the game. But Cade did not. I put it this way: he did not close the door on the competition. He had a chance to. Right, that was part of this deal. Was each quarterback gets a chance? He could have been a tough act to follow, and he wasn't. And in fact, you could argue McCarthy with fifty yards rushing and thirty yards passing in his eleven snaps outshined him in Cade's start. And then the part that, that interested me after the game, you know, Cade McNamara, this was his first time talking since Jim Harbaugh announced that two QB system. Michigan doesn't really, uh, well, they're selective in how, how frequently they make players available to the media. So this was his first time speaking about it. Steve, I don't know about you. He did not seem very happy. He did not seem like someone who, understood or even like respected Harbaugh's decision. And I'm not, I'm not here to stir the pot. I'm just telling you that that was the tone that came off. You know, he called it unusual. He said it was unexpected. He said he thought he had won the starting job with how he played in fall camp. So Steve, you you saw the game. I assume by now you've seen a couple. How did Saturday change your perception of Michigan's quarterback room and how the Wolverines are handling it? I think McNamara's comments are surprising in the context that since the beginning of fall camp that Harbaugh has been telling us that this was going to be, or this was a close battle, you know, and that this was a neck and neck type deal. Uh, So I'm surprised he went with the unusual comment, I guess. Uh, I know it's after a game, not as if he's like got a statement prepped or anything like that, but either way, uh, felt a little defensive, uh, both in reading and then actually listening to the way it was said during the press conference. And I mean, I would, I agree with what you said. I mean, I'll even take it further. I mean, I think McCarthy was more impressive. I don't really think there's much of a, a question there. I mean, we're talking about a, a dropped interception by McNamara. And then the other thing is, and this is what we taught you as like, there's a whole different element to the offense because of McCarthy's ability to run the football. Yeah. It solved the red zone problems. Right. And so, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know what McNamara was necessarily expecting, uh, but you know, to, to, yeah, to kind of say it was unusual, I think was a little bit of a, kind of a disappointing comment. I don't really know how else to put it. You know, I mean, I, it's, I understand, you know, we're talking about, he did lead them to the big 10 to a big 10 championship last year. Uh, I know he wasn't statistically the greatest quarterback, but he played within the offense was, was definitely a big part of them doing it. So I can see, can maybe see where there'd be frustration, but at the same time, I mean, that doesn't mean you're, you know, you don't get a, it's, you don't get an exemption. Uh, it's not like winning a, a golf major. You, you get to play in it for the next five years automatically. Like you, you still got to go out and beat everybody else on your roster the next year. And this, this was the year I think we had kind of circled or believed, or I guess we've known since probably like what say like halfway through last year, if that, that this, regardless of how last season turned out, this is where it was going to be heading into for this season. Uh, so for him to kind of be like the surprised one in the room, I think is is almost a little hard to believe. Also, at the same time, I'm kind of curious what you think. 
is like, should this all be decided on each individual's performance in these, in these two games? Is it, I mean, if that's what kind of makes it an interesting dynamic. I suspect that because these guys are still practicing too, which I, I got to assume is at least going to play something of a role in where, what, what route Harbaugh decides to go given the level of competition, these first two games. But I mean, at the same, yeah. time, you know, at the, but right. But at the same time, level of competition or not, it was, I mean, yeah, in a game that, that, that Cade is the one that started. Uh, I think you'd argue he was the second best quarterback on Michigan's roster in that game for sure. Which is about if you're him and you're in that position, trying to win that job is about a worst case scenario yeah. <laughs> as you could probably ask for. Right. So that being said, the, the flip side for me though, what I keep is like Hawaii is so bad that like, it's almost a foregone conclusion that McCarthy is going to have some, some kind of good game. I mean, we're talking about Vandy put how many points? 63, 63 on Western Hawaii. Ken- Western Kentucky beat them 49 to 17. Right. See, so, right. So it's like, you know, that's where I was like, I don't envy the coaching staff in that regard because, I mean, if you're if you're McNamara at that point, it's like, well, why did you start me against Hawaii? You know, it's like the so I, it's just. But that, like I said, though, I think the, the biggest takeaway for me though is, you know, if you're in McNamara's position, uh, I think the way Saturday played out is is about as worst case scenario as it could have been. You didn't he didn't look crisp. Uh, I know there were a few drops. I know Harbaugh mentioned that too, but there uh, the incompletions were were not good incompletions. A uh, couple were, were not even close. And then not only does McCarthy come in and like, you know, four for four, which whatever, but then also shows that ability to run the football, which that's something that McNamara is not only not done, but like almost to a frustrating extent, you know, with, with how we've seen him with sort of the way Patterson used to do it, where it's like, you know, I know he's not the most fleet of foot, but, so many on that that read option when they do run it, where he if he'd have kept it, there's nobody there. McCarthy obviously seems way more apt to running the ball, and he's more athletic. So you know, yeah, not a not a great Saturday for for Cade McNamara as far as in, in my opinion, as far as his chances are of uh, winning this job. Yeah, I with how he looked, and I'm willing to let the first couple drives go, right? You know, if he was forcing passes or whatever, but he never got into rhythm after that you know they gave him three quarters I and I mean they were doing drives where they weren't even calling passing plays because it it just they needed to put points on the board touchdowns not just field goals and and, I mean to have three drives stall in the red zone yeah not not he did not do himself any favors and probably actually hurt himself because I think even the people who who thought it would be Cade or or were sold on his you know consistency or or the um, stability he brings. I mean, it, it wasn't stable. They they should have put that game away. Well, it was put away. I sh- I, sh- I will caution and say that. But but they co- probably could have put more of a of a exclamation point on that first half. And so the way he looked and his comments after the game have me more and more convinced that this this was not about Harbaugh not knowing, which is what he said to the media, and I, and I totally get why he said it. But this sounds more and more like, to me at least, just my opinion, that this was about extending the runway for J.J. McCarthy so that he could 
have a full shot to take off, right? Because kids, we've mentioned it before. Is not he? He didn't have spring ball. Didn't really have summer, and so you know, over three weeks of fall camp, three or four weeks, I, 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 I am now of the belief that Michigan felt like he will eventually be the starting quarterback, but he, but Michigan's not going to make that change until it's very obvious because they have that luxury of, of choice. You know, if, if Cade McNamara felt like he should have been the starting job after fall camp and he's a competitive guy, I wouldn't expect him to necessarily say anything different, but for him to come out and publicly say he felt like he should have been the starting quarterback at the end of fall camp makes me wonder if Michigan felt like, well, if McCarthy has three more weeks, it won't be as, it, it will be his job. And so, you know, kind of like a plane, you know, if you extend the runway, it has more opportunity to build up speed and take off. I, I kind of am now of the suspicion that that, that was actually what Michigan was going for here. Not that they couldn't decide, but rather they wanted to make this decision that's going to ruffle some feathers, right. And, and be a difficult decision to announce, but do so in a way where, uh, Cade got his shot. He showed what he could do. JJ got his shot. He showed what he could do. I, I agree with you. If I were Cade McNamara, I'd be pretty annoyed that <laughs> JJ gets the Hawaii game because that team, I mean, Western Kentucky scored seven touchdowns on them. So, you know, this, it would, it would actually be stunning if, if we were going into this a week from now, going, doing this podcast a week from now and talking about McCarthy completing 50% of his passes and, and only amassing 136 yards. And ultimately, yeah, I test would be hard to hard to pick Cade McNamara over JJ McCarthy right now. You know, I think the stats kind of back that up too. I think I saw McCarthy, I think he has eight touchdowns on like 90 something touches in his career, like either pass attempts or carries. I mean, that's at some point, like he's just is that guy that can break your red zone issues. He can make defenses struggle in terms of knowing to defend him against the run or, or go after the running back or, you know, how do you, how do you commit to the receivers that are kind of in the flats? I mean, it's, it's, it just feels like he brings so much and, and his, his accuracy is there. I, I, I do want to see him attempt passes further downfield. You know, he completed four or four passes, but 30 yards on four passes is not, a ton you know that's not it's not someone trying to to really make a difference downfield with their with their arm I suspect he'll look good if he throws it downfield so that that's where next week comes into play but yeah my my new thought on the two quarterback system is that this was more about extending the runway for JJ to take the job than it was about Michigan not being sure because I think I think Michigan feels optimally JJ McCarthy looks really good next week and then they can just kind of run with the team from there. Steve, any additional thoughts on either this game or the quarterback situation or, or anything else from what you saw or what, what you've kind of chewed on since Saturday? Uh, Makari Page, 31 snaps. I think that was noteworthy. I think that's great news for Michigan. Uh, I think that's, you know, we talk about him as one of the X-factor type guys uh, before fall camp. You know, can give them a different dynamic there. Mm-hmm. At that position, I think he passed his first test. Like I said, you got to love that snap count. I think he, Rod Moore, and 
RJ Moten played a very similar amount of snaps. Um, so, so that's good. I think Mike Sainer still fits in with yeah. what Michigan wants to do defensively too. I mean, those are, those were like two things I was kind of looking for. You know, I think, uh, I was just, linebacker I was depth. Just, yep. Yes. Barrett yes. and Mullings, I thought did pretty well. Yep. Junior Colson, I think did what he is supposed to do to begin his sophomore campaign. You know, uh, Jimmy Rolder looked solid. Yeah, in the, that, in mostly the, in, the fourth quarter, right? Right. I mean, again, yeah, game. But still, I mean, you can see things with the it's with a true freshman. I always feel like that's why you don't want to turn those games off if you're a big fan because you you might you might catch something. Uh, you know, even when the game is well out of reach. Uh, but yeah, I mean, those were kind of the the big things that I I was kind of looking at. I think. Uh, oh, the other one too was uh, was that I thought Gio El Hadi played really well uh, when he came in. So, and he's one that I've talked about consistently for a while as kind of the next man up after Trevor Keegan moves on at left guard. Uh, I, I don't think I think he did himself. Uh, a lot of favors with his play on Saturday. So the way, like a lot of the, I don't know, it felt kind of good. Like a lot of the guys that we had, you know, Derek Moore. Um, good you know, weekend for former top 100 recruits. It sounds like. Yes. Yes. And this freshman, <laughs> the freshman class, a great start for that freshman class. Yeah. Overall, you know, which is again, something that we've kind of talked about and been anticipating, uh, but a little bit different when you turn, when, when you actually get to game time to see if it, how much of it comes to fruition. Right. Um, but, but yeah, I think, if if you're Michigan, uh, you know, again, what's the spreads almost 50 or it is 50. Um, still want to see more of the passing attack on Saturday though. I think that's kind of the, that's in you should, you know, again, like that's what's like, I think we were saying beforehand, it's going to be kind of hard to recap or even preview this game on Saturday, just because it should be such a route. But, but yeah, I mean, those are kind of my takeaways from this week. I think there were a lot of, if it felt it kind of felt like I was trying the best way to say this. They, they win the big 10 last year. Just this kind of felt like the an old school ho-hum Michigan beatdown of a, of a lesser non-conference opponent. Kind of was like if you grew up watching Michigan, kind of we were used to in September. Uh, the only difference is like, yeah, they don't have that big week two or week three game that they would, you know, like a Notre Dame or, or a Pac-12 team or whatever. Uh, but this just kind of felt like a vintage sort of Michigan type game uh, uh, at home uh, to open up the season. Yeah. Harbaugh is now 17 and 0 in home September games. I think that's correct. Yeah. Home September games. So he's got that, that blowout down, right? You know, it just seems like, you know, I think I tweeted after the game, 200 yards rushing, 200 yards passing, like almost like dead even in rushing versus passing yardage and, and the defense. It doesn't matter what the narrative was still brought it they still know how to how to you know shut teams down so uh only player you didn't mention that i would i would shout out is i thought cj stokes looked looked like someone who will actually be helpful at that number three running back position curious to see how many carries he would get in a close game but at the same time for a true freshman to come in game one have six carries 35 yards and and look the way he did i i I liked how he looked as a runner so that that would be the only name that you didn't already mention that I would add is is just Michigan 
continuing to look like maybe their deepest Michigan team since you and I started doing this podcast, Steve. I mean, it's, it's seems like their second string could really do a number in the big 10. So anyway, that's going to do it for Steve Lorenz. I'm Zach Shaw. Be sure to check out all of our recap stories. I've got grades. I have my, my column. I have three things I learned, three remaining questions, uh, takeaways. We have lots of stories over at the michiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com about this game and also during the week leading up to their much-anticipated tilt against Hawaii where the spread is nearing 50 points. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. We'll see you next time.